0: Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On The Money. Presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi
1: everybody, this is Joe Moss at Embassy National Bank and welcome to this week's edition to On The Money, the number one small business podcast on Business Radio X. Uh, I should say Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, We are starting off a new year. And hopefully uh, this year will be bigger and better for everybody than last year. Um, At the bank, we see things starting to happen and everybody uh, moving forward with their businesses. So hopefully this year will be better. Uh, This show is sponsored by Embassy National Bank. We discuss topics designed to help small business succeed. And Embassy is proud of how we help small business. Um, Welcome, uh, to the Global Broadcast Studios of Subaru of Gwinnett, uh, a great facility and a great team here. So um, off to a new year. Uh, this year, uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, debt collection, and uh, we have Dawn Poplowski from um, PCC Innovative Solutions, and she helps companies with collecting debt, Correct. That is correct. All right. Well, so why don't you kind of tell us what you do, what your company does, what some of your specialties are, and, and that type of thing.
0: Sure thing. Yes. Um, PCC Innovative Solutions, um, that was a company that I started, just um, about had uh, almost having a year anniversary, first year. And um, what we basically do is everything from not only your debt collections of, um you know, for your over ninety, over one hundred and twenty days bad debt, we also offer comp- to companies accounts receivable outsourcing. So there's a lot of companies that don't have the staff, um, and it's also better for them as far as the overhead. So they just outsource their accounts receivables to us, and that's that's not a matter of where we purchase them. We just basically represent that we are a member of that company, or we're partnered with that company to help manage their receivables
1: so you'll do the do you do the automated piece of it or just the uh call and try to collect piece of that
0: just the call and collect they they will do the invoicing and uh, for instance i have one client that i vpn in on and that way i can pull up the receivables and keep track of the invoices as they age okay and, and contact them that way
1: who is your target client who do you do a lot of your best work for
0: well, uh, my target is more on the construction and supplier. At least that's my experience. Um, I've got over 20 years dealing with um, the, con- the construction industry as far as um, both manufacturers, suppliers, and general contractors. Mm-hmm. And uh, so because I am so familiar with all the lien laws and the requirements, you know that's one of my main focuses. Okay. Um, but most of what actually comes to me, um, they seem to seek me out. Is mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of um, property management companies that are having issues, you know, too, because of the economy, and so there's a lot of consumer debt. That so I handle both the commercial and the consumer. Okay. Debt.
1: So on the construction side, then uh, you would work with. Um, a contractor who has done work for somebody else and is trouble getting paid exactly okay yes and um, we'll tell uh, what are some of the um, techniques that you use in terms of, let's assume that uh, before we get into best practices to avoid having to be in this position what mm-hmm. type of um, procedures are in place for you to be able to go collect right
0: yeah um, i like most collection agencies, you know, we do start with um, your basically your contact initially by phone. Um, as an agency, you are also required to send out a correspondence within five days, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so we we take that simple approach, just basically first trying to find out what the situation is, you know, whether it's um, business that we're dealing with or. A consumer, mm-hmm. um, we try to find out what that situation is before we go to more extreme measures of collecting. Mm-hmm. Um, because, number one, the one thing I try to focus on is I try to be more of a mediator between a client and that debtor. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of things, a lot of issues sometimes that it may just be um, a sinful dispute or misunderstanding. Or, you know, I've actually had some that just don't want to deal with that person but they'll they'll pay you know if they're dealing with somebody else outside of that so you know i basically will go with the you know same tactics in the beginning Um, but you know if it gets to the point where they're not responding and you know they have no intentions of paying you try to set up payment plans and if they basically ignore that issue then i do advise my client to go ahead and take them to court which i handle for them as well
1: Okay, and once you get them in court, you have the, uh, if you're a contractor, I guess under Georgia law, you have the ability to lien the job, yes. don't you? Yes. Okay, and lien the job uh, means what?
0: Basically, what, leaning the property, if and it, but in Georgia, too, if the contractor basically has 90 days in order to do that, um, they have to send notification to the owner as well as the contractor. But if that's not done, they can lose their lien rights. Um, but what it does is it basically will put a lien on that property so the property cannot be sold unless the lien is satisfied. So, you know, it's, they got
1: to get paid when they get sold. Yes. So a lender, uh, a lot of times, that's what we check because the mechanic lien actually can come in front of the loan as well. Mm-hmm. So um, they're very well protected once you get to that point. Has the electronic world changed Uh, what you do at all, how has that affected you, all the electronic payments, credit cards, um, that type of thing? Has that affected what you do at all, or is it everybody still dealing with checks and bills? Oh,
0: no. (laughs) Actually, it seems to have made life a lot easier Um, because I could tell you 30 years ago, in order for me to file a lien, I used to have to go to the courthouse, Mm -hmm. pull the tax records, find out who owned the property, Mm -hmm. And basically, you had to do the step-by-step process and then file it internally. Now you have electronic e-filing, and all that information is, is public. It's on the Internet. So a lot of it, it's actually simplifies what we do. But on the actual,
1: um, there are multiple ways to, to make the payment. Um, yes. I, I guess the... Uh, uh, instead of sending out bills are people still sending out bills are they doing that electronically is that facilitated anything that you do um has that cut into your business at all um or is it still the same a
0: lot of that's still the same especially with the smaller businesses you know they're handling things the old-fashioned way you know there's still a lot of paper invoices um and it's not what's unfortunate i'm finding a lot of them they don't have utilized contracts and things like that it's just a matter of an invoice Mm -hmm. you know so there's a lot of things that they could you know kind of upgrade and get a little bit more with the times but i know too it depends on what's cost effective for them and their size of business but they do there are a lot that utilize the online you know payment with credit cards and things like that
1: okay because I also have that on my website. But someone still has to agree to make the payment before mm-hmm. any of that starts to happen. So I, that's, that's uh, at least you don't have to, to get in the business of recovering bad checks or anything like that, oh, unless you do. I do. Okay. Yes.
0: I've actually um, had to, you know, a few months back, I had a warrant filed.
1: Okay. And
0: actually, the only way I could get her to satisfy it was once she was arrested, their, her attorney contacted me. To settle the debt so they
1: could, yeah, because it's still illegal in the state of Georgia to write a bad check, isn't it? Yes, it is. And uh, most of us don't. I've committed a cardinal rule, everybody, not turning my phone off. So (laughs) hold on, um, I apologize for that. Um, so on the you also do it on the consumer side, so you said you work with some property management companies what other kind of consumer debt do you try to collect
0: oh um i've gotten everything from the um, pest control services uh, cleaning services i've uh, gotten um, veterinarian service uh, uh, vision doctor yeah the doctor's office so yeah i mean it, it doesn't it's a wide range a variety of doctors or what about
1: the medical receivables at all?
0: yeah um, I've actually um, have a chiropractor as well and a lot of that issue is um, where the in- there's some instances where the insurance companies or the rather the attorneys for these auto accidents mm-hmm. are paying the patient directly and they're assuming that that patient's going to you know take care of the doctor the provider but they don't, but that doesn't always happen.
1: Right. And (laughs) and the medical collections have gotten so complicated Mm -hmm. because the bills seem to adjust every time that you get another bill from the (laughs) hospital or whoever. So, um, pretty interesting. Um, all right. So let's talk about best practices. If, uh, take the chiropractor, for example, Mm -hmm. give me an idea of some of the counseling that you provide them or help that you provide to make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Okay. What do you advise them to do?
0: Well, for the most part, um, there is a rule for them to, um, of course, they file everything. Um, when especially most of their situations are um, dealt with, the auto accidents. So there is a um, form. It's like an authorization. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that they really need to utilize because what that does is that goes to the patient. And that patient, if they sign that form then that's basically what they can use in place for the attorney and the insurance provider or the insurance company, Mm -hmm. that that provider has to be paid directly. And so that way those funds do not go through the patient first. But there's things like that that they just never, you know, it's a good old boy, and so there's you know a lot of times where they they trust these people are going to just handle it, so and pay they, their debts.
1: When they <laughs> sign that authorization, aren't uh-huh. they also agreeing to pay for it personally? I mean, aren't they? Yes,
0: well they do that anyway. Okay. I mean, that's a different. Actually, that's a different form. When you go to the medical doctor, you're always signing the form saying that if your insurance company does not pay for some reason, you are responsible. Right, right. And a lot of them, they they still fight that you know they're like uh basically they're like my insurance company should have paid that should have paid that and it's like well (laughs) we can try to go to your insurance company but if they tell us no it you know so will you do
1: that do you do you do you get in and try to help and go after the insurance company on behalf of the chiropractor or do you leave that for the consumer to do
0: well yeah i leave that for the consumer and the provider okay because it When they give me the account, the providers already dealt with the insurance company and they basically get a statement from the insurance company saying that this is what they're going to pay and this is what they have paid. Mm -hmm. So there's really no further involvement.
1: Um, Well, we're talking about debt collection today and and as a banker, it's kind of near and dear to my heart, so I've done Mm -hmm. a little bit of it, but we're talking with Dawn Poplowski and she is with PCC Innovative Solutions and she's talking about some of the clients that she deals with and some of the issues that she comes up with. Um, I've also often heard from subcontractors that uh, they have a a lot of difficulty getting paid from the contractor. So what are some of the steps that a subcontractor can take to avoid having to go collect the money?
0: Okay. Well, you know that also the liens rights also apply for them. Right. You know, so... That is one thing that they can do. But no
1: one wants to get in a situation where they have to use you to start with, though.
0: And and they, well, and they, things like that, they don't need to use me. Um, That is one thing that I try to get a lot of these contractors to just put in their policy. Right. You know, a lot of them are afraid that their clients might get upset if they go and, you know, do a a notice to lean. And, uh, you know, the way I tell them is like, if you want to compete with the big boys, which, you know, a lot of them would like to work up that way, that is something they need to just kind of go ahead and start putting in their regular routine and their clients will begin to understand that this is just the way they do business. It's it's nothing personal. It's nothing against them. It's just something to help cover, you know, just like anything else you would do with insurance or and um but anyway so that's one thing that I try to get them to do and utilize and put in their in their policy and to file, you know, a claim of lien it's $25. You don't, you know, it's right. the only time you would look for an attorney is when you need to perfect the lien and you have a year to do that. So typically I've never had to pursue the actual lien itself mm-hmm. because, you know, that prop, it's going to get paid within that year's time.
1: Right. Now, um can subcontractors demand payment upon completion of the work, and how often does that happen? And is that a is that a practice that's a workable practice?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's more complicated when it comes to the contractors because there's a. It depends on the job. Um, there, when it comes to the construction industry, there's a lot of depending on who you're dealing with. Whether it be a municipality, it could be a bonded job. There's different laws that go with each type. You know, of construction project, mm-hmm. and so it's really kind of you can't just tell them, you know, subcontractors that this is what you can do. It it really depends on what the stipulation is in the contract, mm-hmm. because you've also got some that you know require retainage, or will hold a percentage once the job not only is completed, but well. Okay. For instance, yeah, once it's completed, but their portion could have been completed six months ago, Okay. but they're not going to get paid until that job's complete. So really, to answer your question, it kind of depends on the contract
1: itself. So a subcontractor really needs to understand and feel good about the contractor, and at the same time, make sure they understand the contract between themselves and the contractor, but also... Um, should they try to look into the contract between the contractor and the actual person that they're doing the work for? or is that something do they have a right to see that?
0: Well yeah, typically it's the same okay. you know type of contract it's whatever guidelines are on that project mm-hmm. you know the general contractor typically will float you know follow that down. Um, but it's funny that you were talking about that because I've run into subcontractors that are like, getting frustrated dealing with the general contractors mm-hmm. and they want to just become one themselves and not they have to deal with the middleman because that is a lot of times where you get your issue because if they're not getting paid for something they tried to hold that against paying the subcontractor
1: well right and you know that, and we hear but a lot, it doesn't
0: work that's not right
1: we, we hear a lot that a lot <laughs> yeah. and uh, so we hear that subcontractors they pick and choose the contract. They do a little upfront research on the contractor before they'll take the job mm-hmm. and uh, get to know their contractor before they actually start putting their people on the on the job to get the work done.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good idea.
1: <laughs> so, um, other than um, let's see, property managers, contractors, um, what other industries are you involved with?
0: Um. Uh, Pretty much those are the majority. Uh, Like I said, with the medical, um, you know, medical consumer, it's B2B, B2C. um, So pretty much all of that type of thing. But um, again, you know, I'm working mostly with the smaller and, and, you know, middle, uh, because the main thing that I try to do with them is educate. You know, I'm not out there. I didn't start the business to just be a debt collector. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to get around to um, educating them on what they need to do to, you know, prevent those bad debt collections from even occurring.
1: Okay. Give us uh, some examples of some major um, uh, common mistakes that you see being made that you try to advise against.
0: Okay. Uh, One of the main ones is basically dealing with someone you don't check out. You know, even the property management companies, you know, typically they will run um, some type of, you know, credit background check. And um, I've actually seen some of them that are run and um, I, I get really surprised that they even, you know, deal with them, <laughs> you know, because right. then I'm looking at them and I'm like, OK, they have judgments and lanes and, and you're running to them. Um, but then a lot of these companies that it, if they extend terms at all. Um, Even if they do um, a 50 up front and a 50 upon completion, you know, the balance, a lot of times they're still not checking them either. And, you know, that's one thing that I recommend to them, especially if you're doing a large dollar amount or if you don't know these people, you know, put it in your contract that you will be doing a credit check on them and have them approve it, because that's the only way you can really see how they manage their money and their business. And so that's it, that's the main thing. Well, when you do the
1: out. when you do the contract with that person um, that you're going to be trying to collect from, or that's doing the work, and and you're going to be trying to collect from them, um, I would get something signed up front that allows you to pull credit, mm-hmm. um, and then um, and go ahead and make that contract almost a promissory note so that you go collect against that, and it may not, may not be such a bad idea to to uh, potentially. Um, get a prepayment, maybe a bond if you don't like the credit that, that comes back. Mm-hmm. So um,
0: yeah, companies have a lot of you know they, there is a lot of different things that they can do to help protect themselves. and that that's one thing I try, and it's different with the industry,
1: of course. And you have a, a co- company has a right to have terms as yes. well as an interest rate <sighs> as well as default rates if they don't get paid because at that point they are a lender. And a, bit, a lender to typically another business, and they have a right to um, all types of uh, financial damages that they can collect as a, as a note on a note. Yes. Do you advise people oh, to yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so. I,
0: I was going to say I I just did one recently, and it, it was you know it was basically a law firm, and they it, within their contract they didn't stipulate anything. You know, it was basically, okay, this is the payment plan that we're agreeing to sitting down at that time, but there's nothing in there as far as, like you say, running any type of credit background. There's nothing in there as far as any late fees or collecting interest. And so that's what I had produced for them is I took their contract and just basically added a whole page of terms and conditions that should be in there. So you had to do that
1: for an attorney? Yeah. Yeah well that's pretty interesting
0: well yeah well not every you know attorneys specialize in their thing the cobbler's (laughs) children
1: has no shoes right so um so what are some of the most avoidable things that you see happen uh among your clients
0: avoidable things
1: yeah like not getting in writing um oh
0: okay uh examples like contracts number one you know, like get I said, it in writing. Yes. Get it in writing and um, make sure, number one, you know who you're doing business with. Um, this is something else that I've come across. And because going after them even legally, you know, down the road, if that happens, you can have just a matter of someone that comes in representing a business and yet the uh, retailer is putting th- something in their personal name. Mm-hmm. Rather than the business's name. So there's little things like that that you have to really be careful about what you're doing and who you're selling to. Because when it comes a legal issue, there's a matter of who you're taking to court.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, so right.
0: there's there's things like that that I try to educate them when once I see things that they're doing and try to stress that, you know, you need to there's certain questions that you need to ask regardless you know, certain information that you need to obtain regardless of who you're doing business with. Well, and again, that kind of goes with the upfront policies. you you know, these have standards that you follow, you know, so that way it'll
1: protect yourself. Um. We, we have something in banking that we call KYC or know your customer. Mm-hmm. And I think uh that is as important in the small business world as it is in banking uh we have to do it for um any money laundering and uh, making sure we're not dealing with criminals and tax evaders and things like that but uh, i think any small business needs to have a know your customer policy in place and, and check mark some of the things that you want to find out about your customer um so perhaps a uh, uh utilization of a form up front that would um indicate all those things that you can go back and check for example um not just credit checks but facebook Mm -hmm. pages uh yelp um uh customer complaints look at google under who you're doing business with and find out if they're reputable people Mm -hmm. um
0: i utilize those to track them down
1: yeah well (laughs) yeah i mean every everybody leaves a digital thumbprint. oh yeah footprint um you know, and then realize that if you're doing work for somebody that you're, you, you've you created a promissory note, um, and it's something you said kind of triggered it. If you're doing work for a business, um, you need to get the business sign, but you need to get the owners to personally guarantee that work, too, mm-hmm. so that if something does happen, you can go after the business, and you can go after that individual personally.
0: Yes. yes. And That's do true. some,
1: uh, do credit checks on the business as well as the individual, the, the, the business could have multiple um, um, uh, defaults out there or judgments against it, and a lot of people are very clever in terms of how to avoid uh, uh, paying judgments, because even though you may try to collect something and you get a judgment, it doesn't mean that they still have to pay. You have to go try to collect on the judgment, so um, it can be pretty tricky.
0: Yeah, and and to add to what you're saying there, um, a lot of these companies uh, they'll have sister companies. Sure. So you know if you don't run a credit check on the business and get that information, you know who you're dealing with. That company may go out or may go under bankrupt, but then everything is passed over to that other company. So of course you didn't. You're not doing business with that company. <laughs> so right. there, there's a lot of things that doing that upfront investigation is worthwhile
1: yeah and not to scare everyone but uh our you know lawyers are not lawyers but people are very clever when it comes to trying to avoid paying things that they owe we've seen situations where an entity a business entity may be the actual customer but any revenue or expense gets collected in another entity a shell entity that they've set up and then transferred over later so what that means is that you may think you're doing business with one company but that one company is a shell company and nothing ever goes through that and you might end up being number one or two or three or four on the debtor list when all the revenue is going somewhere else so it's there's a lot of if you don't know somebody there's a lot of digging that you really need to do to make sure that you're going to get paid Mm -hmm. Um, and a, a rule of thumb is cash on the barrel i don't
0: yeah (laughs) if you want me to
1: do work for you pay me up front oh yeah and uh, that that cures all
0: yeah and you know that it's that is true and that's definitely something that's suggested to a small business um and but on the flip side i do talk to some companies that you know again if you're willing if you're wanting to grow you know unfortunately you've got to be able to manage being able to extend terms Mm -hmm. because you're not going to get the bigger businesses on a cod basis right you know so it's but again if you do that you can do it and still be successful if you do it correctly
1: and the unfortunate thing about this is you can expend a lot of time and resources and um and then all of a sudden not get paid and those can be big chunks when they do happen and uh they may only be uh five or six percent of your revenue but you're going to spend 30 percent of your time chasing it Mm -hmm. so um it can it is really think long and hard about doing business with someone before you actually do it make sure you're going to get paid um do you have do you try to settle performance issues as well did you mention that up front um
0: well not really because um as far as like being the mediator it's a matter of you, sometimes you need to get both so both sides of the story mm-hmm. first of all um, but what i basically do in that aspect is i just relay the information because i'm not in the place to make the judgment call because i'm not familiar you know with what actually occurred Mm -hmm. it's between those two but like i said there's a lot of times when they don't want to communicate or they're too angry and they don't want to deal with each other so it's a matter of just trying to get the pieces and then okay you know let's let's agree
1: somewhere in the middle all right so in, in those examples um how many of those did not communicate effectively up front with what the job entailed the lion's share of them, uh, half you know, of them?
0: There's really um, only just a few okay. that, you know, could have been resolved, you know, up front.
1: Because I, I, I used to have a business where we performed these long projects for, uh, for companies. And it was very specific in terms of here's what the deliverables are going to be and here's when they occur and here's when the payment's going to be. And I would just make sure to have ongoing progress meetings to make sure everybody was on schedule. Um, so, you know, know your customer up front, but then also communicate on these long jobs to make sure that you don't, uh, you don't have a, uh, uh, an issue and leave it floundering, because the longer you leave it floundering, the bigger problem it will be down the road. You know, the old expression, kick the can down the road, Uh, You don't want to do that if it involves payment. Make sure everybody's up front and and communicating as you go. And progress payments don't hurt either, you know, agreed Mm -hmm. upon progress payments. Um, That way, uh, you know, if there is a problem, if they don't, you know, you you haven't expended a lot of resource, but if they don't pay you the five grand for that first initial part of the work, then, you know, there's an issue. We need to sit down and talk about it. Definitely. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Cause
0: I don't honestly I don't like getting in the middle of those <laughs> it'd well, be a lot easier for me if it was just cut and dry
1: <laughs> those are called lawsuits most of the yeah. time yeah. yeah um but um so how do you how do you get how does the how does your company get paid these days you do a percentage you do a contractual amount or how do you do that
0: it depends on the service um so any real um just basic debt collections themselves if somebody flip you know turns an account over to me and says please just collect this i'm not i'm getting nowhere you know i'm basically at a standard 25 percent and um now but it's different when it comes to accounts receivable outsourcing that is a monthly contractual and that's based on the number of accounts not the dollar amount okay you know, which I wish it was because, you know, you collect a $10,000 invoice and I'm getting um, only what I get at the end of the month sure, <laughs> on sure. the contract. But, you know, so it, I try to keep it reasonable with what the service is and what they're needing done. And then even when it comes to filing judgments, I only ask the client to pay for the filing fees. So okay. I don't take, you know, an extra bump on that even if i have to drive to drive to the courthouse because it's typically no big deal (laughs) you know
1: well i think in the the important thing for someone on the other side to to know is that and and a lot of folks don't do this unfortunately they they need to send the message that they're going to get paid and they need to send that message pretty quickly I dealt with a guy that had a consumer finance company, and he would call people uh, four or five days before before the due date saying, mm-hmm. your payment's coming up. Are you ready to make the payment? And um, um, so it became very obvious up front that this guy you weren't going to mess around with. And then if you did mess around with him, he told me one time that he spent um, – four thousand dollars pursuing a five hundred dollar debt and i said why did you do that he said i didn't want the word to get around that i was easy he thought that the five thousand would really um help him in the long run and turn out it did the word gets around that you don't mess with this particular company you pay mm-hmm. or else he'll get the money from you one way or another and the longer you wait to pay the harder it's harder it's going to be mm-hmm yes that's always been a famous line (laughs) yeah but if if you if you do owe the money and someone like you calls um my suggestion would be to be acknowledge the fact that you have the debt um and just be very open about the fact whether you have an issue or not if you don't have an issue it's a question or you got to get the you know hey they haven't, the bank hasn't paid me yet, so I got to pay them, uh, all those kinds of things. Be open. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't put these things off if you're a company that's, that needs to make the payment. You can't put these things off because the longer you put them off, the bigger the problem is going to be down the road because people like you, your job is to stay on it. Yeah. So how many times do you stop? Yeah, I guess you don't stop. I don't. Yeah. But,
0: I mean, if um i've had some that i was i said this on a different radio show but i've had some that were deceased so i i kind of you know if there's no assets there's nothing there to go after
1: well i know but you're you're a a creditor and probate though i mean you can stand up while it's going so um it's pretty interesting um well listen i we've kind of uh run out of time but um i appreciate you you being here this is a subject near and dear to my heart, um, uh, how to, as a banker, you know, we lend money all the time, um, and we expect to get paid. And I and I think what I would want to impress on small businesses out there is, even though you think you're not a bank, you really are, because you're extending credit as much as I'm extending credit. I like what you said. Know your customer up front. Uh, get the contract done up front. Put all of it in there. Make them make sure you you're you're going to get paid for the people that are actually making the revenue or the entity that's making the revenue, and everybody's committed to paying. To, and um, and if somebody is a day late, they're still late. Call them. You're a day mm-hmm. late. Make sure people know you're not going to be a pushover. Um, there's all kinds of things that a small business can do, um, but I guess the most important thing is to realize that they're a bank. And they yes. ought to stand up yes. and act like a bank.
0: Oh, well, it's their money. Yeah. Do you want it? Yeah. Then you, you, protect
1: you, it. You paid your wages, so you know you don't want to be on the hook for that. So, yeah. um, um, anything you want to add here at the end? Uh, how to get a how to get in touch with you? Um, oh uh, yeah. Some um, parting comments.
0: Um, and yes, um, we also, I mean, we do provide a free consultation. So you know, again, depending on what this industry is and any issues that they're having. They can contact us from um, by going to our website. First of all, it's on www.pccis.com, and we also have an email address on there for and it's customer support at pccis.com, and um, so you can check out the website and get a full idea of what all services we do provide, and also our do training seminars, too, to help small businesses and what they can do initially you know, within it, the business. If, if I
1: could add one thing here at the mm-hmm. end, I would really recommend that uh, a small business person, um, even if they're taking payments up front with credit cards, et cetera, um, I would highly recommend that you take advantage of a training seminar to, just to find out what you're up against. Because you know, a consumer has 60 days to dispute a charge so you know that comes back to you as a merchant you still got to go collect that money so um i would highly recommend that they take some type of a training seminar Mm -hmm. just so they get a little flavor up front some of the things they can do for the best practices before they start doing a lot of work for folks they don't know exactly okay yes thank you well dawn thank you so much for being on the show and um um uh, hopefully 2016 you know I know you have to make money, but it'd be really a great world if people like you didn't have to spend as much time doing what you did, but you're, yeah, it's going to be there. But anyway, <laughs> well, hopefully 2016 will mean, uh, uh, all your receivables get collected and, mm-hmm. uh, you get paid your due and it's going to be a bountiful year for everybody. So, uh, with that, this is, um, uh, Joe Moss and you've been listening to on the money and, um, brought to you by embassy national bank just to remind you uh you can follow us on twitter at on underscore the underscore money and then the number one so at underscore the underscore money and then the number one you can uh, listen to any of our episodes at onthemoney.businessradiox.com we're also available to stream on itunes for free and uh you can also find us out under our uh um what do you call video of the show um out under the youtube channel of business radio x gwinnett station and uh look for on the money um and as we say all the time here and i think it's now more than ever uh to be appropriate um be careful out there make sure you know who you're doing business with so you can collect what you've worked so hard for um leave fear in the back seat Uh, Do everything right up front so you try to put fear on the side. And then the other thing we talked about at the end of last year that we'll continue to talk about, I think it's very important, is stay authentic. Uh, Be yourself. People really want to do business with you, not somebody you're pretending to be. So with that, thanks, and uh, we'll see you on the next chapter of On the Money.